there's a, there's a lot stirring on our hearts in this time. Um, I've got two Bibles, a book, and my computer here. You guys have comfortable seats, right? We're going to just hunker down for a while. Um, I want to just reiterate some things as we just move into this. It's going to be a little more of a teaching time today, but kind of led by the Spirit. Andrew and I did not prepare how we're going to do this or anything, or, but we're just, there's things on our heart that I feel like just tie in together. And so, um, and it's funny, I mean, all of us as we teach, we have such different kind of ways that we, we teach, but the cool part is, is there is, for all of us, we're just, we're led by the Spirit. So I see Andrew just in his his great mind and his ability to just kind of put things together and speak things so clearly and just, and like, oh, it just kind of brings light to things that maybe we've, we've kind of thought about or understood, but not fully. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I get it. And so you're just going to hear from him as, and we'll just kind of play it by here. And he's supposed to interrupt me anytime he can. Uh, but I want to start by just I'm going to try to move fast through this part here. but um, So just pay, pay, pay attention the whole time, but pay attention. <laughs> uh, oh, let me do this real quick. Uh, and then it'll t- I think this will tie right into it. I'm just going to, I never got to share about Pakistan. So I'm going to take just a few minutes here and just share with you uh, What's it, what happened in Pakistan, and actually this message came out of uh, a time in Pakistan where I came back uh, on a Saturday night after uh, we were ministering to about 700 pastors and leaders in Pakistan that had all come in uh, for this gathering, and, uh, and my heart was so stirred in that time, and, and I had been with some key leaders of the nation, and, and I was up at about 1.30 in the morning thinking I need to get some sleep because we've got a full day ahead of us. And that's when the Lord decided he wanted to talk to me about some things. <laughs> and you're like, really, Lord? You're going to do it at 1.30 in the morning? Uh, but when God speaks, you just, you just want to listen. And, uh, and I just kind of got to spend some time with him. I felt like he just revealed a, just kind of a new phase of for the church and where we're to go and things. And I'm not going to fully, like, throw this all up on you guys today. You're like, uh, but I, we're just going to kind of begin to walk through this. And, uh, and I hope it stirs your heart. Uh, I, be, I believe the Holy Spirit's just revealing some new things in this season. And uh, our job is not to have it all figured out. And, and trust me, he didn't, like, lay out the, next, the plan here for the next 10 years. He laid the plan out for the next week. Uh, and the, whole, the key to this is that we're led by his spirit. I, I do believe we have some vision, some direction, but it's, it's kind of like, oh, I know we're supposed to go that way, but I don't quite know what's over there. And so I can kind of see what's happening, and so what we do is we start to walk this way. And then he brings greater clarity. And then he actually adjusts it. And he goes, no, you're actually going to move a little bit this way. And so we move this way. And then now you're going to move back this way a little bit. He doesn't always just go in a straight line. We, and that's our mindset of how do I get from point A to point B. And, uh, and as you saw with the Israelites in the wilderness, how many times did they go around in circles before they, <laughs> before they actually crossed the Jordan? And, and I believe even as the Lord's leading us, He's taking us on a journey, and he's teaching us things in the moment that it's kind of like if we don't get it, then we get to go around the mountain again. And then when we do get it, okay, now we kind of get to take, we go to that next step. And, and I think, I mean, a lot of it really depends on us, how quickly he moves. And it's because of his grace, because he doesn't, even when they, if, if he would have sent the Israelites into the promised land, you guys realize the promised land was filled with enemies. <laughs> 31 kingdoms that, that Joshua had to take down those kingdoms. If their hearts weren't prepared and they weren't ready for the battles, and, and if God would have sent them across into the promised land, 
they would have been destroyed. So it's by His grace sometimes that we actually go around the mountain again and we're like, why am I doing this again? He's like, because you haven't learned the lesson yet. And if you get to the next step, you're going to get smashed. And so I'm preparing you, I'm strengthening you for the next season and for the next things that he's calling us into. And I believe that's what we're in right now. We're in this, but, but there is a major shift that's happening. Actually, uh, somebody in the prayer room uh, had a word, and, and it was interesting that he said this. He goes, I had three words for you. I thought it was like three different kind of statements that he wanted to say. He's like, no, literally, three words. <laughs> shift the sails. And... Uh, and it just so aligns with, with everything that, that the Lord is calling us into. I don't know what, I don't know exactly how we're shifting the sails, but I do have some ideas. So, um, so I'm going to share on Pakistan real quick. <laughs> Can you put the first slide up? And we'll just kind of walk through this. So, so here's what the Lord said. Uh, going over to Pakistan, which was, by the way, is an amazing time. Never been to Pakistan before. And, uh, and, and I want you to understand as I, as I talk through this real quick, think of just sonship because this is, I learned a new depth to sonship. Because uh, one, I've never been to this nation before. Two, I had no clue what we were doing over there. I just knew I was supposed to go and Leif prayed about it and he said, you're supposed to go. It was just the two of us going over there. Uh, meeting up with a pastor who, who leads a number of churches over there who kind of works with Leif, un, under Leif. And, um, I don't know the language. I, I don't know how things function over there. It's a different culture, completely different culture. And uh, so I had no clue what I was stepping into. And the Lord just said, when you go over, said, you know, when you go on these long trips, like they've got all the movies you can watch and things. And the Lord's like, I don't want you watching movies. I don't want you distracted. I want you in my presence. I want you reading my word. I want you in prayer. And you can sleep. <laughs> so those, that's all I did. And, and here's what he said, because when you get there, you're going to hit the ground running. And I had no idea what that meant. Well, we, after about 30 hours of travel going over there, um, we get off the plane at like 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning, and uh, we go back, drop our bags off, and the first thing we do is we change clothes and we're off to go meet with the Grand Imam of Pakistan, uh, who's the religious leader over all of Pakistan, uh, the top religious leader uh, who has great influence in the nation of Pakistan. Um, we go to meet with him, and we go to his house, and, and this is where <laughs> it's a position of sonship. I have no clue what we're doing. My job is to keep my eyes on life, stay close to him, and keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and don't do anything stupid. Like, <laughs> just don't do anything at all. Just stay with him. I, I mean, you got to realize it's kind of like when you go into your you know, first day on the job or something, and you're like, you, you got a headache by the end of the day, right? Because you're like, oh, everything's new. And, uh, and I had a headache almost the entire time I was over there uh, just because it was, like, so overwhelming. New language, new culture, new people, not knowing names of anyone, not knowing where we were going, what we were doing, just moving around. So, so we get there. We go into the Grand Imam's home and, uh, like, meeting all these key leaders and people that uh, the secretary of this and the leader of this and and, uh, and just shaking hands, and some of them are actually embracing me because I'm known as a son to, to Leif, as a spiritual son, and they're like, oh, and I don't know these people from Adam. And, um, but, but all of us, already my heart's like just becoming tender towards these people. And then, and then we're rushed off with uh, guards with us and, and to this place called the King's Mosque. And, uh, and it is the, the largest mosque, the number one mosque in Pakistan, very well known around the world in the Muslim community. And, and this is the first Friday of Ramadan, the most holy day of the year. And, and we get to go into the mosque, which is, you don't, as an infidel, <laughs> like you don't go into the mosque. Not only do we get to go into the mosque, but we are rushed up front, and you can see that's actually Leif standing up there with the Grand Imam, but we're sitting just behind him on, on the right with chairs. They bring chairs up, and they usher us up, and we're sitting there, and, um, and you can see all the, 
the people, the cameras and things like this. And there's about a million people watching at this point. Um, and uh, the, the, mas- the mosque is huge. It's massive. It goes all the way around. There's people all over. And, and, uh, uh, and on, the most, on the, the most holy day of Ramadan, the first Friday, uh, the, the grand imam gets up and begins to speak. And then he goes, and I want to introduce you to my brother, Dr. Leif. Hetland, who is the ambassador of love for the nation of Pakistan. And Leif gets to get up and give a message to, to all these people. And I'm sitting back there, like I don't mind speaking, but I'm sitting back there going, oh dear Lord, I hope they're not expecting me to get up and say something because I have no clue what to do right now. My mind's just spinning. Um, and I'm just, just you know, I don't know if you've ever been in those places where you're like, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me. I was, I was in one of those places. Um, so go ahead, go to the next slide. And um, So this is right afterwards as we're walking back out. Uh, these are some of the guards that were with us, and so we got a, got a picture with them. These are, these are guys you don't want to meet on the back street. They're, uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're pretty serious about what they do. Um, you can see it in their eyes, just this intensity that they have. Uh, but we got to love on them. And uh, go ahead, flip through, go to the next one here. So this is the Grand Imam. And uh, I felt so honored. It, this was that position of sonship. I have no relationship with this guy, none at all. Leif has spent 26 years over in Pakistan building these relationships. I got to step in as a, as a son and, and step into the very same place Leif was in a moment's time which is unbelievable. I, I mean, no way would I ever have a chance to, to even touch the grand imam because he's like, no, you're like, you don't touch an infidel. Um, but this is a brother and in a sense a son. And even he bought us, he bought us both these gifts. We, this is what I wore last Sunday. If you saw it, people are like, what is he wearing? <laughs> this was the gift that uh, the grand imam gave to both uh, Leif and I. And uh, it was a huge honor. To, to receive the gift from him. So um, next picture is just, here we are. They actually came to our hotel room. That's the grand imam uh, and his son, who's the next grand imam. Uh, and we got to connect and just meet at a, at a deep level, become friends. And uh, I mean, even as we're spending this, this time together in the hotel, it's like midnight. We actually went out for ice cream. Uh, went, we went to Baskin Robbins. There's the Baskin Robbins in Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> and it tasted good. Uh, but uh, to, to, just, to just spend time uh, with them. And, and the, the son was even, he just said, he goes, I feel like I've known you for years. And there was such a favor of the Lord and just an ability to, to have relationship. And, and this is, here's the thing. This is what, what's, what's happening here in these, in these times like this is, is there are things that are being not only set and established, but tempered. It's, it's, I say, we saw it like this. It's like we're going into a nation and we're changing a thermostat. It might be 72 when you get there and you change it to 75. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen, right? It's like you don't come into a room, change the thermostat, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, the temperature's changed. Um, it takes time. But, but what's happened is there were some things that happened here that are adjusting the temperature of a nation literally of a nation that's affecting hundreds of millions of people. And, and it just in these, these intimate times like this. So go ahead, go to the next slide. Um, next day is when we, so that was Friday. Um, Saturday is when we actually had this opportunity just to minister to about 700 pastors and, and in Pakistan. And let me say, here's the thing. It is a Muslim nation. And so those that are Christians don't have the same uh, kind of rights and, and standard as, as, the, as those in, in the Muslim community. And so these pastors, man, a lot of them are struggling. The, the, uh, they make, we were talking to them, and they, they make about, because they're kind of on the lowest rung in a sense, they make like 200 to $500 a month. That's their salary. That's what they live on. Um, and, and it's a struggle but they're not in it for the money, obviously. <laughs> no pastor or anyone's in it for the money. <laughs> this isn't the money-making career here. It's the kingdom 
career. But, uh, and I, actually, let me rephrase that because it is not, what you guys are doing is the kingdom career. And, and uh, my job is just to equip you as the saints for the work of the ministry. Like, you guys are the ministers. And so please don't ever think of, of pastors or leaders, again, as, as somebody in a higher position. Uh, I would say, actually, we're in a lower position. We're just here to serve, to wash your feet. Uh, we actually got to do that on the second day, is wash the feet of some of these pastors that were just struggling. We just said, hey, would you pick out some of the ones that are struggling the worst right now? And uh, we got to pray over them, wash their feet, and then actually bless them with finances, bless them with money uh, that, that, you know, you give them $500, and that's like a month's wages right there that, that changes everything for them. And so uh, thank you for your generosity, as a lot of that actually went to, to help support this uh, and to, to bless a lot of these pastors. And, uh, and what we did right there is we just strengthened 700 pastors so that they can go back into their churches and raise the temperature in their churches. So next slide. Uh, that's Leif up there. It was really cool. That was a moment. You can see all those people with their hands up were just healed uh, of, of whatever it was that the Lord, um, whatever sickness or problem that they had, uh, the Lord just kind of swept across that room that night and did, did some amazing miracles that night. So many people were healed. Uh, next slide. Uh, so this is, now this was just some of the places that we went to. And I'm not going to get into the details here, but, but you can see this is... Uh, these are like international institutes, uh, this here that, that uh, has an influence on, on uh, millions of people across the nation of Pakistan and actually across the Muslim community worldwide. And uh, we got to meet with key leaders here. Go ahead and flip to the next slide. Uh, this is another group. Um, I think this was the group that had, they're, they're training up about two million children right now uh, in the ways of Islam. And uh, this is one of the things I realized is that you have a, the, the, these leaders, these people, as we're meeting with them, they have a kind of a kingdom mindset. might not be the right kingdom, but they have a kingdom mindset of, 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 a, of affecting the next generations. And I think sometimes, I feel like the church, especially the Western church, we have such a short-term focus of, of what we're doing right here and now in our lifetime and that's what matters. And what they're doing is they're setting up for the next generations and the next generations. And they're seeing this. And it's like, oh, boy, like, we got to kind of get our head out of the sand here and realize that, that this is a generational thing, that we, are, we need to begin, not begin, but we need to take a greater emphasis on raising up the next generations. Go ahead and flip to the next one. Um, this is... Uh, this is another meeting. Um, just, yeah, go, I'll just go ahead. Flip to the next slide. This is kind of cool. This is actually, they honor in such an amazing way. Um, this was, uh, this is a dancing horse. If you've ever seen those dancing horses, they actually dance. And then they asked Leif to get on it. And they asked me if I wanted to get on it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, thanks. I'll let Leif do that. He's the, he's the father. I'm the son. <laughs> I was going to honor Leif in this one. <laughs> and Leif gets on this horse. He told me afterwards, he goes, I thought that thing was going to buck me off. But, but he rode that in, and they threw flowers on him, and they, they cheered as they walked down the alley here, and it was packed full of people. And then, and then we went down into that room, and, and we had like a conference down there, and Leif had an opportunity just to share and, and minister to, uh, to, these, to this Muslim, uh, this group of, of leaders uh, that are in the nation of Pakistan that are impacting, every one of these groups are impacting millions of people across this nation. So go ahead to the next slide. Uh, this is a, a whole other group of, and I would say more maybe on the, on the radical side and uh, uh, training up those that, uh, I'm not going to say the names of the groups, but, but, um, but that you hear sometimes in the news. But here's the cool part. This is, we were in their, in their compound and, and the guy between Leif and I is, is the leader of that. And his sons, his two sons are on the right-hand side there. And, uh, 
And again, we just got to spend time with him and just release God's love uh, over them and over their family and over their, even over his grandchildren. And uh, so, again, it's that shifting the temperature. Go ahead. And sh- is, that, is that it or is there more, are there more? That's it. Okay. Thank you. You can take that off. So, um. yeah. So I feel like what, what the Lord was saying, um, is there a way to turn the lights up or is that the, is that it? Is that what we got? Up in here, like on the front? That's it. Okay, I'll just go from my computer, then I can see it better. Um, let me read this scripture. I feel there's an awakening that the church is, that we're being called into in this season. And it is a shift, and, and time is short. And there's a scripture in, in Romans 13. I don't think I have a slide for it, but just listen to, the, listen to these words. It's Romans 13, 11 through 14, and this is in the Passion Translation. It says, to live like this is all the more urgent, for time is running out, and you know that it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up, for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away, and a new day of destiny dawns. So we must once and for all Strip away all that is done in the shadow of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes, and once and for all, clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery, not in the promiscuity and the, sexual, and the sensuality, not being argumentative or jealous of others, but instead fully immersing ourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, that we would not even waste a moment's thought on our former identity to awaken its selfish desires. I love I, that. That's the passion, which kind of takes it like and explodes the, the verse. Um, but this is, this is what we're, we're, called, we're being called into. And there was a, there was a word that... Um, that came to me while I was in Pakistan from, from a lady who was here. She was at the gathering of the 400, and she said, I had this word. I said, well, send it to me. And she sent it to me, and this is where I read this at 1 o'clock in the morning. And the Lord just began to stir my heart. And then I, it just began like my light bulbs were going off. And I'm going to read. I'll read part of this or maybe all of it. This is what she said. I was sitting in my office and I felt a huge urgency in my spirit where the Lord seemingly shouted to me and said, tell them, tell the leaders of the region to get their infrastructure in place for the harvest. They do not have as much time as they think and they won't have time to build it when it happens. What this looks like is identifying your leaders in the body, moms and dads, which is so cool. She doesn't that didn't go to this church. The, the Lord's had us in this, this time of learning how to establish mothers and fathers to raise up sons and daughters, that they can become mothers and fathers to then raise up more sons and daughters. And so this is, just ties right in here. Uh, start setting up small groups, preparing and training them into discipleship if they need it. Get their buy-in and their yes to whatever the Lord does next. And then tell them to get ready. It's a buckle up church moment. The Lord is about to move in a significant way very soon. Not just what we have seen before, but actual revival and a move of God. And I felt like there was a brief lull, and I feel this right now, there's a brief lull for the Lord to prepare the body to get ready. It's the moment right now to finish building the ark before the animals and the rain start showing up. There's a Luke 5 season that we're in, and Jesus is about to get into the boat and tell us to put our nets or our networks and our relationships on the, in the region into the water. The caught fish, this is the response to the harvest, will be so high that it will begin to burst the nets, 
And there will be such a response that there will not be enough leaders or enough small groups or enough discipleship programs or infrastructure in the body of Christ to hold what's coming. I believe that we are, I believe that where we are as the body right now is that we're like the disciples that are cleaning out the nets in Luke 5.2. Cleaning out what has been caught in the nets and what needs to be removed. The Lord is removing the pride and the sin and the immorality and the, the lack of truth and laziness and slander and forms and formulas that are in the church and the familiarity, familiarity of, the pres, or of, of, the, um, of the presence but in the wrong way. A lack of fear of the Lord. And that's a big one. There has been such a lack of fear of the Lord in the church. We think of him as our body. He's actually the almighty God. He is our friend. He is our brother. But he is also almighty God. And we need to have that fear, that awe, that reverence of who he is. Also, the assumptions of what the Lord is doing. And then she says, etc. Need to get those out of the church and out of the nets. I'm just going to skip down. She says this, I believe that the Lord is doing a Psalm 24 in this season. Who will ascend the hill? Those with clean hands and pure hearts. <laughs> the Lord had us in this. So that the king of glory may come in. He is identifying the cleaning of hands and hearts, seeing and leading to repentance, a.k.a. Holy Spirit cleanup crew, to ascend so that he, the king of glory, truly may come in in an unprecedented way in the body. And in this season, there's going to be a massive, this is where there'll be a massive increase. So it's a don't dawdle and get ready season. I believe the next season, the next 10 years, even starting this summer, will be absolutely wild. And what we have prayed for with this harvest in the kingdom. And I believe you guys, being the rock, have been set here for such a time as this to help lead and to help cover the mamas and the daddas. The rock's part of this harvest. Colorado is ripe for a move of God, and we are about to step into the 100-year anniversary of the revival that happened with, with uh, Amy Simple McPherson in 1921, which, and then she just says, which was also riding the coattails of pandemic, the Spanish flu. Uh, as I read this, there were just my mind just began to go and I realized like, oh my gosh, there's all these words that the Lord has had us in, all these things. And when I say words, let me just say, uh, like, we have the word of God. This is like the logos word of God. But there is also like the word of God, which the Holy Spirit actually does speak. <laughs> he speaks to us. He shares things with us. He reveals all truth to us. So, so a lot of times, in the church, we go, well, we have the, the Bible. Let's, we'll, just, we'll just focus on that. That is our true north, and, and it helps to set our course. And sometimes when we hear things, we hear it with a filter, and it can actually take things off track. And so we have to be careful that we have to, we have to check that with, with the word and make sure that it's in alignment. Make sure that it's true. Make sure that it resonates in your spirit, that if you get that check, there's a lot of false words out there as well. There are a lot of things... Words are spoken all the time, and they're kind of thrown around right and left, and I feel like that's kind of that, that reverence and awe and that fear of the Lord, that be careful what we say. Be careful when we say, hey, the Lord is saying this. Be very careful what we say, <laughs> because the word of the Lord, like when the Lord speaks and we hear things, um, even when I speak it, I'm, I try to be very careful to go, like, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm saying, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. But please check it in your heart. Please, please make sure it aligns with the word. Anything I say, check it. <laughs> Always check it. Any pastor that gets up and shares with you, don't just take it as gospel truth. His word is truth. My words are not always truth. So Andrew's words are not always truth. They might be more true than my words, but they're not always truth. <laughs> but there's a few words. Let me just, in this, um, I, was, I went back and I was looking and, there was a word in 2017 where it said, prepare the, the storehouses. This was by someone on our staff. 
build them for the harvest because I am coming in a way that you've never seen or expected. It will radically change everything, including mindsets that have held you hostage. I am ready to unleash heaven in this place, but you need to be ready to steward what I am bringing. I am coming in splendor and majesty to reveal my sons and my daughters to the world. This was a word that was in 2017. In 2018, uh, David Wagner came in and he said, I felt like the Lord said, I am taking you beyond renewal. I am taking you beyond revival. I am taking you beyond what you have seen and beyond what has uh, beyond what has been called and identified and defined as outpourings. And I am going to bring you into a place of the unknown. Does this sound familiar? We're not going into places that we've been before. We can't go, oh yeah, I know how this works. I know how God does this. No, our job is not to go and figure it out. We gotta realize that he's doing a new thing. And if we, if we get stuck in the oh, this is how it works, we're going to actually miss the very thing that God is doing in this new season. He is always creating the new. He doesn't operate in the old. It says he's, he, when it says he pours out wine, it says he's pouring out new wine. I've never seen in the Word of God where it says he's pouring out old wine. Never seen it. Which means when there's new wine, you have to have a new wineskin. You can't take an old wineskin and pour new wine into it. What happens? It'll burst. It'll break. And, and I believe this, we've talked about this in the past, but that new wineskin is what the whole thing about a new wineskin is it's flexible. It, it's not rigid. Old wineskins, as they hold wine for a while, they become very rigid. And that's why you can't pour new wine into them because the gases basically begin to flex it and it just breaks it. But a new wineskin is flexible. It has, it's recently had oil massaged in and through it. It's recently been cleaned. There's a purity of it, and the Holy Spirit is interwoven into it. And that's what creates this rigidity, this, this flexibility, not rigidity, this flexibility to actually allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do, the way he wants to do it, that's outside of our own mindset. It's our own mindset that actually creates the rigidity and, and that, that old wineskin. And it's the, it says in Mark 7, it says it's the traditions of man that actually nullify the word of God. The traditions, the very things that we go, oh, these are really good things. We do these every time we go to church. Great. What we're doing is we're actually nullifying the Word of God when we get so caught up in the traditions that we actually miss the very thing that God wants to do, the new things. So get ready to shift out of even what we're doing right now. Like, this is kind of just, hey, get prepared. Next time you guys are going to all be up here, I'll be sitting down there, and I want you all to preach. <laughs> It's coming. This is the point. We're raising up the body of Christ that, that it's not me teaching you guys. It's actually you guys being the body of Christ. This is where it felt like the Lord's saying, I'm, like I'm raising up my body that when we gather together, every one of you is going, oh, I have something that the Lord has put on my heart for the body of Christ to strengthen the body. And then we're going to begin, you're going to begin to be the ones to strengthen the body of Christ. Not so we can all sit in a room here and gather together and kind of go kumbaya and go, this is a lot of fun. Let's just keep this in this room. No, it's so we can explode out of here with the love of Jesus in our hearts. When we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, empowering us, strengthening us, it is not so we can just live comfortable lives. It's so we can get uncomfortable. We will be getting outside these doors. Even together, we're going to be calling each other out. And I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's like, ah, but, but that's not church. Church is coming in on a Sunday morning and just spending time hearing the pastor speak. That is not church. <laughs> that is an old wineskin. And we're going to be, we're going to, it's, there are times, there are times like this. I feel like it's like, okay, we're getting some direction. We're getting some clarity. But each one of you plays a critical role in this. And there are parts of it that I don't understand that you're going to understand that you're going to be like, this is what I see in this. And I'm going to go like, ah, yeah, that's the piece of the puzzle that goes right here that we've been missing that we didn't understand. You got it. God doesn't just pour out everything to the pastors so that they can figure it all out and tell the rest of the people what to do. 
That's not the church. That's not the ecclesia. That's not the family. That's not how a family works. A family works where everybody plays their part. Everyone comes to the table and plays their part together. Does this excite you guys or is that good? Okay. Okay. We won't go too much longer here, but, but I just bear, stay with us here in this. Um, he says this. He says, uh, for I am taking the reins. I am taking control. <laughs> but know that in, this, in the days that are ahead, I'm about to do something unprecedented on the earth. Get ready for it. Here is the word. Prepare to accommodate. Not for what you've seen. And this is the part. Be careful. Because we go, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. We've done this. We did this in our last church. We put this together. It was this really great program that we had I can tell you, if you come to me with a program, I'm gonna, unless it's a new program, there's something that the Lord is stirring in your heart. If you come to me with an old program, I'm going to say thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> because I don't believe he's bringing in old programs. I don't believe, believe he's bringing in old mindsets. There are things, and I, I want to be careful with that, because there are things I know that the Lord has established that, that there are foundational things that he wants to use. It's not like we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. But there's a lot of stuff I feel like that has been good in the past that is no longer going to be used for this season. So prepare to accommodate, not for what has been seen, not for what has been heard, not for what you've known in the past, but for what you've never seen, what you've never known and what you've never heard before. Get ready to expand to the right and to the left. There's a reason I am putting you in the neighborhoods. There's a reason that I have put you a bit off the beaten path. There's a reason I've surrounded you by homes. There's a reason I didn't put you on the interstate. I have put you in the place of family. I have put you in the place of community. And I believe he is establishing his family. There's, there's so much more to this. I'm not going to go into it. But um, there's a few more words. I'm going to skip through them. I want to read this one, though. This was in uh, July of, of 2019. So here we go. This was about eight months before COVID hit. And, uh, and this is this preparation even that the Lord was preparing us for right then. He said, the days of old are past. Behold, the days of new have come. I've set you apart for this time and to operate in a new way. You are not to operate in the ways of old, not the ways that you have seen in the church's past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. So do not look to the former things and to the things of old. What I have for you is not a model it's not a template. It's a masterpiece created by me. So look to me and look only to me. Many will try and draw you to the plans and the wisdom of man. But I say, woe to those who would try and forsake the plans of my hand for the plans of men. Do not forsake my plans for security and for sanity. <laughs> it is time to move, but move with me. Worship me. Know the beat of my heart. Know the breath of my lungs. Know the sound of my voice. I am coming to you, and my breath will be in you and will move through you. Plans will be unveiled in my realm and in my presence, and you will see my glory released through my goodness. You will see my power and my glory. Enter into my presence and enter into my heart and explore the possibilities. Prepare your hearts. Prepare the wineskins and prepare the worshipers. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare the way of the Lord. I am coming. If you don't, like, if you don't see a, a, a theme here, there's like, it, let me read one more just section part here. This was a word. This was actually from 2018. And, uh, and I was saying, if you look, if you listen to this word, it's everything that we've been going through. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just saw this for the first time this past week. And it's like, yeah, this is confirmation for everything that we're moving into. But realize that the time is short. And there's something in here that you'll, you'll catch that I think will help us to have this understanding of this. He, this is a guy, his name is Tom Jones, and he says this. He goes, so it's from a few years back. He said, for several years I've been declaring that the church is on the verge of another great move of God. Personally, I believe now is the time. I actually think it is close. One can almost see the water receding away from the beach back to the ocean in preparation for the tsunami wave. Here's the question. Do you believe this deeply enough to get ready 
for the wave to crash in on the shore. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just going to kind of rephrase this part here. What he says here is, uh, he goes, what, here's an example of this. If, if, if I were to say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to your house. Andrew and I are going to come to your house. We're going to be there tomorrow night for dinner. Uh, we wouldn't invite ourselves, but, but, uh, but if we were to say, hey, we're coming to your house tomorrow night, the hope is, is that, you know, you're going you're gonna to get things ready. You're going to actually have a meal. When we get there tomorrow night and show up, that it's not going to be that, oh, you were serious. <laughs> you really are. We don't have any food. We already, we already ate dinner. I'm so sorry. Like, uh, but no, it's going to be like, okay, the house is going to be picked. You know, you're going to pick up the house. You're going to clean things up. You're going to get things ready. Uh, you know, you're going to buy the food and have it prepared. And, and so that when we come, we're going to have a meal together. But you have to actually believe that, that as we're saying, hey, we're coming to your house, that we really mean it. And if you don't think we mean it, you're not going to prepare. And, and this is what he's saying here. He's saying in this same way, he goes, uh, these preparations would, will only occur if you believe that we're, gonna, that we're going and we're going to come visit. If you don't believe that we're coming, then you wouldn't go to the effort to prepare a special visit. A special visit. Whether we realize it or not, the same is true of revival. If we truly believe revival is just around the corner, will we make every effort to prepare for a Holy Spirit visitation? He says, I continue to sound the trumpet of expectation and preparation. And then he says this, one way every one of us can prepare to get the house of God ready for an expansion of the family is this, a major need for sustaining revival is to raise up spiritual fathers and mothers. <laughs> Without this step, it is possible to see at least a part of the harvest slip through the church's fingers. This level of investment into others' lives is called mentoring, and I would call it fathering and mothering. It provides a deeper level of commitment to people than mere teaching and coaching. Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 4.15, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. While teachers and coaches may impart life-changing wisdom, it's a temporary task-based relationship. But fathers and mothers, they invest in the long-term spiritual relationship. They earn the right to speak into the lives of their spiritual children and provide more direction and specific advice where appropriate. This is what we're being called into, is to earn that right as mothers and fathers, that we're not here, we're not just teachers. We're not just here to go, hey, you need to do this. Let me tell you how to do this. We're going to stand up on a platform and teach to you and tell you how to do these things. But it's family. It's coming alongside. It's raising up mothers and fathers in this season. Why are we doing this? When there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we've seen this in the past. We've seen, they call them great awakenings. You know why they call them great awakenings? Because everyone's sleeping, Right? It's been times of the church has been asleep, and we've seen these great awakenings happen in the past. And it has been a season since the last great awakening. And there are, there are just sign after sign after sign, thing after thing, to say, oh, the time is short. And we can't build the ark when the waters start to come. We've got to start preparing now. There's a preparation, and there's an urgency in the preparation for this very time. So I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there because I want Andrew just to share something that is on his heart that uh, I feel like is so important that if we don't catch this part, we kind of miss the whole thing. So go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. So in the preparing, we are, we are stepping into our uh, parenthood, if you will, mothering and fathering. Um, others of us are going to, to come in submission and humility to be a son, like Pastor Mike was saying, in, in Pakistan, seeing that, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to be submitted here. I'm not going to come in and say, oh, well, I know how to do all this. Instead, it's the opposite of that. It's that humility that says, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing here, and instead, I'm going to watch the Father who does. So in preparing, we're doing that, and it's also that Psalms 24, and I think even the Psalms 15 season that we've been talking through about clean hands and pure hearts. And so we are, we are recognizing that. And then like in this, in this Tom Jones word, it's 
we are, we are actually cleaning up the house and, and setting the table. So we believe that a move of God is coming. For those who have been in the church a long time, maybe you've heard this language enough that you, you sort of uh, grow, grow weary or that sort of hope deferred where it feels like, ah, I've heard that before, like I've heard that before. But we are every day closer to it than we've ever been. And, and it's still important for us to lean in and say, okay, yes, we, we will actually take this seriously and we will start doing this and we will prepare our hearts and prepare uh, the resources and prepare logistically. How do we, how do we disciple a thousand people or 5,000 people? What does that look like? That's not just something that Mike and I can handle. We need a whole body of people. Like he was saying earlier, we need an army yeah. of sons and daughters that can step into their, their fatherhood and their motherhood to begin to raise up these people. So that's, that's a, a big, big part of it, is taking that seriously. I think the other thing that's, that's really important for us in this season, and this is not going to come as a shock for any of you, because we hit on this all the time, um, but the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we talk on it again and again and again, the, the importance and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to begin to experience him in our lives so that we have something to give to others. So that when we, when we step into evangelism, when the moment strikes and as we're following the Lord and he says, okay, now is the moment and we begin to see this tsunami and this tidal wave, we can step out into our evangelism and, and we can see a power at work. And here's what the Lord stirred in my heart um, last week. And, and it was a reminder. I think so much of fathering is, is just reminding our kids. There is a portion of it that's teaching, but so much of it is just reminding. And so the Holy Spirit was reminding me uh, about the difference between the, the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom of God. Gospel of salvation says that when I die, I get to go to heaven. And that's great. Like, eternity is huge, and getting to spend that in heaven is fantastic. But there's also the gospel of the kingdom of God that says that heaven can come to earth now, and I don't have to wait until I die. Gospel of salvation says, okay, someday I'll get old and my body will fail and then I'll get to go and, and be with Jesus. And gospel of the kingdom of God says that Jesus can come and be with me now. And I can see that. In, in Matthew 10, let's see, Matthew 10 verse 7, Jesus is sending out the 12 and he says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Other translations say is at hand. And the understanding of this in, in the Greek is that it's like, it's, it's here even though you can't see it or touch it. And then he goes on in verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. His, his instructions for them in going out to preach the gospel is, is demonstrated with works of power. Yeah. It wasn't go out and ask them if they died tonight, where would they go? And I, and, I don't, and I don't say that um, too flippantly because, again, eternity is huge. That is nothing to sneeze at. Like, that is a, a significant thing. And, and for people to know that they have a salvation for their souls when they die, that is real and that is important. But I think um, over time, an American church has lessened the need for the Holy Spirit as we've created programs and as we've created our tracks and as we've created our scripts and as we've created our tools, we've become so dependent on them that we've said, okay, Holy Spirit, we don't need you for this part. We've got it. We understand what to do. And we go out and, and we do our, our apologetics or we do our convincing. But all throughout the gospel in the New Testament, we see the, the word of God. We see the, the good news of God partnered with the power of God. And without one, you really lose a lot of footing. Um, you're, you're arguing head knowledge, you're trying to convince people into the kingdom of God, and, and I don't think that was Jesus' heart or his intention. As we read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, all four of them have a different account of, of what he did. We're seeing that, wow, it's always partnered with, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Even into the, the, new te in the, like the Acts, the early apostles and the early church, even when Paul is preaching, he's still so Holy Spirit dependent in how he preached. In some contexts, he preached one way, and in other contexts, he preached a totally different way. Sometimes he used Old Testament to say, okay, but look at this, and look at this, and look at this. Jesus fulfills all of this. And other times, he pointed to the things in culture, and he said, all right, look at that. That is actually pointing to God. And he was so dependent on the Holy Spirit, and how am I going to talk to this person? Mm -hmm. And then throughout all of it, it says that the Holy Spirit gave him power to do unusual signs and wonders, unusual miracles. And as we've lost that aspect of it, for one reason or another, 
we've leaned real hard into scripts and tracks and, and tools. And not that those don't have a place, but it's, it's secondary, third or fourth or maybe fifth to the Way power and, and the, yeah. the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I believe as we're preparing, uh, the biggest thing that we can do is, is learn to hear God's voice. The second biggest thing we can do is obey his voice. So learning to hear it and then learning to obey it uh, is going to go so far as we prepare both uh, internally and externally, as we prepare kind of spiritually and logistically for the next great move of God. It's going to be so dependent on the, on the presence and the spirit and the power of God. Amen. So good. We're in a new season, and we cannot afford to not have a sensitivity to the Spirit, to not be so close to the Spirit that we don't hear His voice and know His leading and His direction. I'm just going to close with this. The Lord just had me in this yesterday. I just, I, kind of a part I typically skip over, uh, not because it's bad, it just, but he brought me into it and uh, just so hit my heart. Um, and it's in Ephesians 4. He says this, he says, so I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. This is Paul pleading with the church of Ephesus, pleading with the believers in Ephesus. And he's saying, look, don't believe as the Gentiles do. What is he saying is don't believe as the world believes. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. Don't get caught up in the mindset of this world. He says, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So you have this hardening of the hearts, which brings them into a place of lack of understanding, which separates them from the life of God. And then it goes on to say, having lost all sensitivity. This is that sensitivity to the Spirit that He calls us to have. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a thing that we can do one time and then we have the sensitivity. I think sometimes they're like, well, I've got it. I have it. Now I'm good. Th that sensitivity is actually, in Romans 12 too, it, it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word mind is also heart. It, it, and it's, it's a tenderizing of our heart, a renewing of our mind and our heart by his word. And it's, it's, it's the word, but it's also by his words by his spoken word, by the revelation that he gives us. Uh, this is where we have to remain. And it's the only place that will keep us in a sensitivity to the spirit. So it's not, it's not a, again, it's not a one-time thing. It's we continually stay in this place of, uh, and as we're sensitive to the spirit, then our hearts aren't hardened. And when our hearts aren't hardened, then we're in light. It says in that, in that scripture of Romans 12 too, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the perfect will of God, test and approve his perfect and pleasing will. This is where he's, we're to know his plans and his purposes, his will, his truth in our lives for this world, for what, for what we're moving into. This is how we do it in the renewing of our mind constantly. And it keeps us in a place of sensitivity to the spirit. And then it says this. So it says, having lost all sensitivity, it says they were given themselves to the sensuality so that to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. And this is the lusting of the things of the world. So when we don't have that, that sensitivity to the spirit, what happens is we've lost the sensitivity to God's love. We've stepped out of that place of the mindset of an understanding of, of the Father's love. It's the very thing that the prodigal son, why did he come to a place where he said, I'm just going to take my inheritance now and go? 
he lost sensitivity to the Father's love. He didn't know that the Father loved him and wanted to be with him. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to take my inheritance. I'm going to run, and I'm going to spend it in the world. I'm going to do the world's things. And then it took hitting rock bottom before he's like, well, I'll come back, and I'll just be a slave to my father. Not understanding still until he gets back that his father still had a love for him. That love never changed. But he didn't have the sensitivity to it. But when he returned, that's when it says the father saw him from a distance and ran to him and put his arms around him and kissed him and he put a robe on him and he put the ring on his, he put the signet ring back on his finger to say, you're a son. You're not a slave. I love you. And that's what shifted the mindset. He kills the fatted calf. The other brother didn't get it either. The other brother did stay with him, but he still didn't get it. He's angry because he's like, why does this son get to have this fatted calf and get to have this big party for coming back? He's the one that screwed up. And the father goes, you've always had it. It's right here in front of you. You can do it anytime you want. It, there's a sensitivity to the spirit that when we understand who we are as sons, it's like when I was in Pakistan. When I understood who I was as a son, I got to walk in everything that Leif had worked on for 26 years. I got to be a part of everything that he, in a moment's time. Jesus has done so much for us, and he sends us his spirit. The spirit, actually, it says, again, in, in Romans 8, it says the spirit testifies to our spirit that we are sons of God. Why? so that we can have everything that Jesus had on this earth now. This is what Andrew's talking to. We're to have it right now. We're to walk in the fullness of it. It isn't a, hey, guys, if you accept Jesus, then when you die, you get to go to heaven. I was, t I was listening to a testimony of somebody's life who was, they had a hellacious life. It was a horrible life. And, uh, and they, a pastor got a hold of them and told them, hey, you can have this life in heaven. When you die and go to heaven, now you're going to have all of this amazing stuff. The guy took it seriously, and he's like, wow, that's amazing. Try to go out and commit suicide the next day. Why not? If that's the mentality of, hey, it's, about, it's all about that time there, and it is about that time. It's an eternity with him, but that there is such a life that we have on this earth right now. If it's just about that, then why are we living this life on this earth? What are we just kind of getting through life so that we can have that? No, there's a greatness that we're to walk in right now. There's an empowering that we're to have. If you don't believe the Holy Spirit is, is, can be on the inside of you and empower you for greatness and give you everything that Jesus had, then this is the wake up. Wake up. Like, it's for right now that we can walk in everything that he has for us. And, and it's not, I think sometimes we go, yeah, great, I'm just going to go out and raise the dead. And then you go, why didn't it happen? And, and I think sometimes it's like, well, you know what? When you learn to drive, he doesn't necessarily, you know, your, your dad's not going to necessarily hand you the keys to a Ferrari to start off with. He's like, okay, we're going to start with something a little less because it, so that it doesn't hurt you. Because if you go out and raise the dead and then like all of a sudden everyone's like, wow, you're amazing. And you go, oh, look, at I am amazing. And now pride comes before a fall and you go, bam. And God's like, no, I'm going to protect you from that. But I'm going to begin to lead you into the things, the greatness of life on this earth, that we are to live an abundant life. And we're to live lives completely surrendered, sold out to him. Our life is not our own. But when the Holy Spirit's empowering us, when we're sensitive to the Spirit, when we move according to the Spirit, we move beyond our own abilities. I'll just quick thing with Peter, uh, Apostle, uh, well, he became the Apostle Peter, but there was this, this moment in his life. He was a fisherman. He's on a boat, and, uh, and he's out fishing, and Jesus, Jesus starts to teach, and, uh, and he hears the words of this teacher, and I know his heart was stirred. And then there was this next moment where he finishes teaching and he goes, hey, guys, Peter, gang, hey, why don't you go out and cast your nets again? And Peter's like, you're not a fisherman. You're a carpenter. You have no clue what you're doing. 
That's not what he said. But I know that's what he was thinking. Because I think this is what we think sometimes. No, this is, you're, you don't have it. This doesn't make sense. Right? How many times have we said that? That doesn't make sense. I've already done that. And he goes, no, 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 just do it. And he's like, okay, Lord, because it's you, because you say it, I'll go do it. They cast their nets, and they fill their nets with the biggest catch they've ever seen in their lives. More fish than they've ever had. This is their livelihood. It's kind of like if you're, you know, you're looking for the, the big win, you need a million dollars, and you go and you hit the jackpot, and, you've, and you get like you know, $10 million, you just win the lottery. And then the next words of Jesus are, hey, come follow me. Lay it out, let it all go. You're like, oh, but I just won $10 million. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, 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 I've got so much more for you. And he goes, I'm going to make you. This is what he did. He spoke into his life. He spoke destiny into his life. And he goes, I'm going to make you catchers of men, fishers of men. You're going to fish for men. And there was, I guarantee there was something in his spirit that said, yes, that aligns with what I was created for. He walked with Jesus. And the cool part is, on that day of Pentecost, I know Jesus was like, oh, this is going to be great. Because the one Peter, the guy that, that's, that he told was going to be fishers of men, he got to be the first fisher of men on the day of Pentecost and get up and preach and 3,000 come into the kingdom. And, you know, Peter's like, yes, this is what I was born for. He couldn't do it on his own. It's not about him, but it's about an empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, do you want to be empowered by me to do the great things? Lay your life down, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will bring you into greatness. I will bring you into things that you've ne you could never comprehend. I have great things for you. You guys stand up. I know we went a little over. I'm sorry, but uh, I hope this message just stirs your heart. We are moving into greatness, but it's going to require humility, sold-out lives, surrender to him, and an empowering of the Holy Spirit to do the things he's calling us to do. So, Lord Jesus, just hold your hands out. And this is that kind of place of surrender. We just go, God, we can't do it on our own. It's not about us. It's all about you. Just as, we, as you have your hands out, Pete, Paul goes on to say this. He says, you, however, you have not come to know Christ in that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Father, I thank you that it is your spirit that we put on as we put off the old self. I thank you even now that we are putting on this new self. We are putting on the Holy Spirit. We are becoming sensitive to your Spirit as the Spirit is on the inside of us, that we would truly be sons of God, sons and daughters of the Most High, called into great and mighty things as we walk in a position of righteousness and holiness, not by our own abilities. We can't do it on our own but by the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us, by the Holy Spirit, which empowers us, the grace that's been given to us to walk in the fullness of everything that we were created for in this very time, in this very season, for such a time as this. We say yes to you. When you say, who will go for me? We say, ha, here we are. Send us. Awaken us for this season. Awaken our minds and awaken our hearts that we would walk in the very things that you're calling us to. So, Lord, I thank you. I just commission, just as Isaiah was commissioned, as, as, as Peter was commissioned in that time to be, the, to be the one or one of the ones that would be a fisher of men, a catcher 
of men for the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you that we will be fishers of men, of women, that we will hold out the word of life, that we will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, empowered to do great things beyond our own abilities as we put our trust and our hope in you, as we set our eyes on you and as we stay, stay sensitive to your spirit. So I thank you for your leading. I thank you for what you're taking us into. And Lord, I pray that, that also that in that awakening that you would make us aware of, of the this, that this is the opportune time. The time is short. That you are coming. That you are saying, I'm coming with my glory. I'm coming with power. Prepare the way of the Lord. Lord, may we make this the priority in this season that we say, yes, we will prepare our hearts. We will prepare wineskins. We will prepare worshipers. We will prepare for the things to come, for the things that you are about to do on this earth, the unprecedented things on this earth. So we say yes to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen.